Chapter twenty two of the Star Chamber An Historical Romance, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Star Chamber An Historical Romance, Volume two, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Chapter twenty two the old fleet prison mention is made of a prison-house standing near the river fleet as early as the reign of richard i and this was one of the oldest jails in london as its first wardens whose names are on record nathaniel de leveland and robert his son paid in eleven ninety eight a fine of sixty marks for its custody affirming that it had been their inheritance ever since the conquest and praying that they might not be hindered therein by the counterfine of osbert de longchamp to whom it had been granted by the lion-hearted monarch the next warden of the fleet in the days of john was simon fitzrobert archdeacon of wells probably a near relative of robert de leveland as the wardship of the daughter of the said robert as well as the custody of the jail was also committed to him the freehold of the prison continued in the leveland family for upwards of three centuries until in the reign of philip and mary it was sold to john heath for two thousand three hundred pounds a large sum in those days but not more than the value of the property which from the way it was managed produced a large revenue to its possessor the joint wardens of the fleet at the time of our history were sir henry lello and john eldred but their office was executed by deputy in the person of joachim tunstall by whom it was rented as will naturally be supposed it was the object of every deputy warden to make as much as he could out of the unfortunate individuals committed to his charge and some idea of the infamous practices of those persons may be gathered from a petition presented to the lords of the council in fifteen eighty six by the then prisoners of the fleet in this it is stated that the warden had let and set to farm the victualling and lodging of all the house and prison of the fleet to one john harvey and the other profits of the said fleet he had let to one thomas newport the deputy there under the warden and these being very poor men having neither land nor any trade to live by nor any certain wages of the said warden and being also greedy of gain did live by bribing and extortion that they did most shamefully extort and exact from the prisoners raising new customs fines and payments for their own advantage that they cruelly used them shutting them up in close prisons when they found fault with their wicked dealings not suffering them to come and go as they ought to do with other abominable misdemeanors which without reformation might be the poor prisoner's utter undoing in consequence of this petition a commission of inquiry 
into the alleged abuses was appointed but little good was effected by it for only seven years later further complaints were made against the warden charging him with murders and other grave misdemeanors still no redress was obtained nor was it likely it would be when the cries of the victims of this abominable system of oppression were so easily stifled the most arbitrary measures were resorted to by the officers of the prison and carried out with perfect impunity their authority was not to be disputed and it has been shown how obedience was enforced fines were inflicted and payment made compulsory so that the wealthy prisoner was soon reduced to beggary resistance to the will of the jailers and refusal to submit to their exactions were severely punished loaded with fetters and almost deprived of food the miserable captive was locked up in a noisome subterranean dungeon and if he continued obstinate was left to rot there when he expired his death was laid to the jail fever rarely were these dark prison secrets divulged though frequently hinted at the moral condition of the prisoners was frightful as the greater portion of them consisted of vicious and disorderly characters these contaminated the whole mass so that the place became a complete sink of abomination drunkenness smoking dicing card-playing and every kind of license were permitted or connived at and the stronger prisoners were allowed to plunder the weaker such was the state of things in the fleet prison at the period of our history when its misgovernment was greater than it had ever previously been and the condition of its inmates incomparably worse during the rebellion of wat tyler the greater part of the buildings constituting the ancient prison were burnt down and otherwise destroyed and when rebuilt the jail was strengthened and considerably enlarged its walls were of stone now grim and hoary with age and on the side next to the fleet there was a large square structure resembling traitor's gate at the tower and forming the sole entrance to the prison to this gate state offenders were brought by water after committal by the council of the star chamber nothing could be sterner or gloomier than the aspect of the prison on this side gray and frowning walls with a few sombre buildings peeping above them and a black gateway with a yawning arch as if looking ready to devour the unfortunate being who approached it passing through a wicket contrived in the ponderous door a second gate was arrived at and this brought the captive to the porter's lodge where he was delivered up to the jailers and assigned a room in one of the wards according to his means of paying for it the best of these lodgings were but indifferent and the worst were abominable and noisome pits on entering the outer ward a strange scene presented itself to the view motley groups were scattered about most of the persons composing them being clad in threadbare doublets and tattered cloaks and wearing caps from which the feathers and ornaments 
had long since disappeared but there were a few probably new coiners in somewhat better attire all these wore debtors recklessness and effrontery were displayed in their countenances and their discourse was full of ribaldry and profanity at one side of this ward there was a large kitchen where eating and drinking were constantly going forward at little tables as at a tavern or cook-shop and where commons were served out to the poorer prisoners near this was a large hall which served as the refectory of the prisoners for debt it was furnished with side benches of oak and had two long tables of the same wood but both benches and tables were in a filthy state and the floor was never cleansed indeed every part of the prison was foul enough to breed a pestilence and the place was seldom free from fever in consequence the upper part of the refectory was traversed by a long corridor on either side of which were the dormitories the arrangements of the inner ward were nearly similar and differed only from the outer in so far that the accommodations were superior as they had need to be considering the price asked for them but even here nothing like cleanliness could be found in this ward was the chapel at a grated window in the gate stood the poor debtors rattling their begging-boxes and endeavouring by their cries to obtain alms from the passers-by below the warden's lodgings which adjoined the gate and which were now occupied by the deputy joachim tunstall was a range of subterranean dungeons built below the level of the fleet frequently flooded by the river these dungeons were exceedingly damp and unwholesome and they were reserved for such prisoners as had incurred the censure of the inexorable court of star chamber it was in one of the deepest and most dismal of these cells that the unfortunate sir ferdinando mountchensey breathed his last allusion has been previously made to the influence exercised within the fleet by sir giles mompesson both the wardens were his friends and ever ready to serve him their deputy was his creature and subservient to his will in all things while the jailers and their assistants took his orders whatever they might be as if from a master thus he was enabled to tyrannize over the objects of his displeasure who could never be secure from his malice by the modes of torture he adopted through his agents he could break the most stubborn spirit and subdue the strongest it was matter of savage satisfaction to him to witness the sufferings of his victims and he never ceased from persecution till he had obtained whatever he desired the barbarities carried out in pursuance of the atrocious sentences of the court of star-chamber were to him pleasant spectacles and the bleeding and mutilated wretches whom his accusations had conducted to the pillory when brought back to their dungeons could not escape his hateful presence worse to them from his fiendish derision of their agonies than that of the executioner End of chapter twenty two